invite you to remain standing as we join in reading God's Word. Uh, throughout this current series, we're looking at um, what it means to go beyond belief, to live out our life in practical ways. And a scripture that's guiding us is the second chapter of James. And then this morning, we have an additional text from Acts chapter 1, verse 8. You have that, those passages printed before you. Would you join with me as we share in the reading of God's Word? I'll show you my faith by putting it into practice in faithful action. And then Christ, speaking to his disciples, said this, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come to you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, to all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thank you. Please be seated, and we provided an outline for your use this morning, and it's going to be particularly helpful, I hope, this morning as we take a look at what God's word has to say. Conversations with another person about God can have powerful consequences. Friday night, about eight terrorist suicide bombers made their way through the streets of Paris, indiscriminately killing, maiming, throwing bombs in a football stadium, slaughtering nearly 100 people in a concert hall indiscriminately mowing down people in restaurants in the downtown part of Paris. Why did they do that? They did it because at some point in some time in their life, somebody had a conversation with them and talked with them about a God. Who would be pleased with those kind of actions? Somebody at some point along the way told them about a God who would reward the slaughter and murder of innocent people. Conversations with another person about God can have powerful consequences. That is why it is more important than ever before that we have conversations with and tell people the truth about God as we know Him through Jesus Christ. The world needs to hear. We need to be talking about Jesus. And that's part of what it means when we are saying in this series that We need to be people who move beyond belief. We need to be people who, yes, who believe in God, but translate that belief into tangible expression in how we live our lives. And we're looking at five ways we do that. And I want to encourage you, if you're not already doing so, to utilize these cards that are in the narthex, take them home with you. We're challenging ourselves to each Sunday make some commitment to these five areas. Our first Sunday we talked about caring for others. Last Sunday we talked about serving. This morning we talk about telling. I suspect that if you had information about a doctor that had come up with some revolutionary treatment that could cure a disease, 
that if you knew somebody who had that disease, you'd tell them about that doctor. I suspect that if you had a marriage counselor who helped you and your spouse save your marriage, that you would be likely to tell your friend who's having trouble in their marriage about that marriage counselor. If if you heard about a a fantastic job that will be tailor-made for a friend of yours who's out of work, I suspect that you would, as quickly as you can, call up, go see, tell tell that friend about that job opportunity. When we have information that's good to share, we share it. Let me tell you this. If you know Jesus Christ, and if Christ has made any difference in your life, you have the greatest, the most important information in all the world. Why in the world wouldn't we want to share it? Jesus calls us to be witnesses. That's what he identified us here as just a moment ago. Witnessing is telling other people about what God has done in our life. We are witnesses. And you would think that possessing this amazing information that we would not hesitate to tell others. But the truth of the matter is, when it comes to witnessing, a lot of us are just really, really uncomfortable with that. A moment ago, and this was not by accident, we opened up this service by singing that great hymn. You remember what it was? I love to tell the story. Now, whenever we sing a song like that, particularly that song, I'm almost tempted just to stop us midstream and say, wait a minute. Let's be real for just a minute. I love to tell the story The fact of the matter is, most of us are scared to death to tell the story. Some of us go out of our way to keep from having to tell the story. Some of us are so uncomfortable talking about Jesus, talking about our faith, we would rather have a root canal. We would rather go barefoot over hot coals than to tell the story. And I think sometimes... We feel that way about witnessing, and it, it's, it, it makes a lot of us nervous. Some of us just break out in hives when we even think about it. I, I think partly that's due to the fact that maybe we just misunderstand. We've got a wrong perception about what witnessing really means. Any given Saturday afternoon in Athens, in the fall, outside of Sanford Stadium, before a football game, there's usually a group of people who are off in, in one corner, and they have a bullhorn. And they are shouting as loud as they can about Jesus. They're calling people to repent. They're calling people to turn to turn from their evil ways and, and accept Jesus. Now, it's a great message. I don't doubt for a minute their sincerity. But I have to say I'm not really convinced about the effectiveness of that approach. And a lot of people, we look at something like that and we say, if that's what witnessing means, then whoa, I don't want any part of that. But yet we are called a witness. What I want to do this morning is try to help us look at witnessing from a little bit different perspective. And maybe change our understanding about what it is and more particularly what it's not. 
And to do that, I want to use a setting that is not familiar to a lot of us on a regular basis, but it's a setting where the word witness usually comes up uh, most often, and that is in a courtroom. Now, if you'll take your outline, I want you to take that for just a minute, and you're going to see several words. You're going to see the judge, the prosecuting attorney, the defense, and the witness. Now, imagine that uh, that symbolizes a courtroom, okay? Now, in a courtroom, there are several players. First of all, there's the judge, okay? You've got to have a judge in a courtroom. Now, here's a real complicated question. What does a judge do? A judge judges, okay? It's responsibility of the judge to determine guilt or innocence of that, of that person and to lay out the sentence. Now, being a judge in a legal courtroom is very important. But when it comes to, being a, to sharing our faith in Jesus in the world, we need to understand that is not our role. We're not the judge. Our responsibility is not to judge another person by how they look or what they wear or how they choose to live their life. We don't judge others. And a lot of people, I think, shy away from witnessing because they have seen people who do witness and they come across as very judgmental and hateful and whatnot. And they say, I don't want any part of that. Well, that's good because we're not supposed to have any part of that. We're not the judge. Listen, there's one judge of the universe. I hate to disappoint you, but it's not you. So that's the first thing. We're not the judge. Now, think about this. In a courtroom, there's the prosecuting attorney. What does a prosecutor do? They prosecute. They assign blame. They try to convict. They try to convince a jury or a judge of guilt. That's the role of a prosecutor. Listen, as Christians, we're not the prosecuting attorney when we witness. We don't, our purpose is not to point fingers, to be label stampers, to, to convict people, to tell people how horrible they are. That's not our role. We're not the prosecuting attorney. All right, there's another character over here, and this is the defense attorney. What does the defense do? They defend. All right, y'all are catching on really good here. They defend. When it comes to sharing our faith, we are not the defense attorney. So I think a lot of people shy away from witnessing because somehow we, we got this impression that it's going to be our responsibility to, to defend the gospel. And we're afraid that if we engage in a conversation about God, somebody's going to ask questions of doctrine. Somebody's going to ask, how do we know we can prove that there is a God? Somebody's going to ask, how do we know the Bible is true? And we just imagine all these things are going to come at us, and we feel like it's going to be our responsibility to defend the gospel. And so what do we do? We go out of our way to avoid conversations that are even remotely going to come around to religion and faith and belief. Well, let me let you in on a little secret. We're not the defense attorney. You don't need to defend the truth of the gospel. The gospel stands on its own merit. 
It has survived 2,000 plus years and has undergone all kind of attack and ridicule and scorn and attempts to silence it. It rises every single time. The truth of the gospel does not depend on your ability to articulate a defense. It stands on its own. So you can take that burden off. You don't have to carry that burden. You are not the defense attorney. Yes. So that leaves us with one more. Now, this is where this gets really, actually, pretty simple. We're not the prosecuting attorney. We're not the judge. We're not the defense attorney. Who are we? We are the witness. Now, okay, let's go with me here. What does a witness in a courtroom do? They tell what they saw or what they heard. They share what they experienced firsthand. When a witness is called up and takes their their chair in the witness stand, they are not there to judge. They are not there to prosecute. They are not there to defend. They are there to share what they experienced. And folks, that is what it means to be a witness for Jesus Christ. To be a witness for Christ means to share in common everyday language and settings what you've experienced, what Christ has done in your life, what he means to you. It means to find ways to connect with people. You know, people around us, they're very much like like you. You've been through disappointment. You know hardship. You know what it means to, to be angry at God or, or your family. You, you know what it means to, to be confused at times. You know what it means to, to have problems of a financial nature or whatever. All the time, you're around people who share the same kind of worries and fears and confusion that you've had. And to be a witness means taking the time to connect with the people around you be sensitive to what's going on in their life and find opportunities to share the difference that Jesus has made in your life when you went through that. For example, when you're with someone who's afraid, confused, about what they need to do with their life? Tell them of a time when you were afraid and confused about what you were supposed to do with your life. And tell them how God worked in your life to provide some direction. When you were the person who's angry at God because something happened It was very painful. Don't tell them not to be angry at God. You tell them of a time when you were angry at God and something very painful happened to you, and yet how Jesus Christ brought you through that experience. When when you're with someone who is ashamed or embarrassed of some sin they've committed, Don't 
condemn them? Let them know about a time when you were ashamed and you were embarrassed of some sin you committed and how you discovered God's grace and forgiveness. See, people are moved. People are encouraged when they find, and they find hope very often in your story. When you take the time to share with them what you have experienced. I know when, uh, when one of our sons was going through a season of the prodigal, and I, I've shared this story more detail with you before, but uh, when he was in a season of being away from home literally and figuratively in every other way, lost in a, in a wilderness of drug addiction, my heart was breaking every single day, and, and every day life was uh, dark and gloomy as long as he was away. And I never will forget, one day a pastor friend of mine called me up on the phone and said, Stuart, let's have lunch together. And so I agreed, and we went, and we, t- we met over lunch, and for the next hour he shared with me his story of his son who likewise had been in the wilderness in drug addiction. And then he shared how Jesus Christ and and God and the Holy Spirit worked in their family and brought healing and wholeness as a result of that experience. And it gave me hope. And it gave me encouragement. That's what it means to witness. It means to care enough for others that you connect with them and when opportunity presents to share what Christ means to you. So being a witness doesn't have to mean standing on a street corner, shouting to people about Jesus. More often than not, it's sitting across from someone over a cup of coffee, listening to them, and sharing the difference of how Jesus has made a difference in your life and how he can likewise make a difference in theirs. I know what some of you are thinking. You're saying, well, Stuart, I don't, I don't know what my story is. I don't know what my story is. I'm not sure what Jesus means to me. I've never really thought about that to articulate it. I don't know what I'd say if somebody asked me that. Well, I understand. And I understand that sometimes it's helpful for us to write things down. So here's my challenge for you this morning. Sometime this week, I want you to try to find 30 minutes that's not long enough, an hour. Well, you won't have any interruptions. I want you just to take a pen or pencil and a notepad or if you prefer to type. And, and you just spend some quiet time reflecting on your faith. Now, when I did this outline, uh, I was going to suggest two questions. And if you look at that where it says, know your story, I was going to suggest that you reflect on these two questions. Number one, what do I believe? And number two, how does that belief affect how has that belief affected my life? I did that just to kind of see where, where, that, where that would land. What I ended up with was a great essay for a class in theology, but I didn't think it was something that was going to be very relational. So, I, I, And it was too late to change this. It was already printed. So here's what I'd like you to do, and I did this. Take 30 minutes, take an hour, and just without analyzing your words, just writing the words as they come to your, from your heart, Respond to this statement. What Jesus means to me. That's simply it. What Jesus means to me. Now, you have those answers already, but 
you've probably never sat down in one concentrated time, in one concentrated space, written that out. And here's what that's going to do when you do that. It's going to crystallize in your heart and in your mind the profound difference that Christ is making in your heart and in your life. And it's going to enable you to, those thoughts, those insights are going to be embedded in your heart, going to be embedded in your mind. So when the opportunity does come, you will be able, you will be prepared. So just writing those down is hugely helpful. I didn't want to ask you to do that without my doing it myself. So uh, I sat down the other day, and I'm hoping this is going to be a tool that I can use in, in sharing my faith. What Jesus means to me. And if you can, just limit it to 100, 200 words. Here's what I came up with. I cannot imagine my life without Jesus. He is where my sense of purpose comes from. He is my source of strength when I become overwhelmed or confused or afraid. He reminds me that I am loved by God and that He is always with me. Over the course of my life, when I doubted myself, wanted to give up or quit, He has restored me with hope, resolve, and reason to go on. When I've been disobedient, He has always been there to love me back. When I have been empty, He has always led me to places and experiences of being filled again. So seasons of emptiness are never prolonged. He has been my coach in marriage, teaching me how to put my wife before myself, teaching me patience, endurance, unselfish love, showing me that marriage is the most sacred and holy of all human institutions and is to be guarded against anything that seeks to unravel it. Trust me, I'm still a work in progress. It's Jesus I go to in prayer when I need help in how to be a father, how to handle a situation with one of my sons, how to be a better pastor, a better person. When I try to do any of these things apart from him, I usually fail in ways that not only hurt me, but those around me. The older I get, the more I realize how wonderful and wise and necessary Jesus is in my day-to-day life. Knowing Jesus doesn't protect me from harm. But with Jesus, the harm, whatever it is, doesn't defeat me. I am far from perfect, but as long as I keep my life centered in Christ, I know that my life matters, that God cares about me, and that even if everything around me was to fall apart, my life wouldn't, I wouldn't, because He will always take care of me. He will never leave me nor forsake me. And the most amazing and comforting thing of all is that when this life is done, he will be with me and I will be with him in the next life. This is who Jesus is to me. Now for me, just taking the time to write out those simple thoughts is going to give me Inside and hopefully encouragement to share with people who are hurting how I understand what they're going through and how I've experienced the power and love of God 
and the partnership of Jesus Christ in my life. I would challenge you to do this. I think you'll discover that just taking the time to articulate it, to write it down, will be an amazing experience for you and will help prepare you for those opportunities to witness when they come. conversations with another person about God can have powerful consequences. More than ever before, you and I, who have the greatest information in all the world, need to share it need to tell it. Because after all, that's who we are. Witnesses of Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Well, God, we're just grateful that some point along the way of our life, somebody um, over a cup of coffee or in a Sunday school class or in some other setting decided to share with us the love of Jesus and how faith in God made a difference in their life. God, I just pray that you will help each of us to become more and more comfortable in sharing our faith and telling others how wonderful you are and what a difference you can make in their life. And God, perhaps even now in this moment of prayer, Lord, maybe you want to bring into our heart and into our mind our awareness the name of somebody that we know who could greatly benefit from a conversation from a trusted friend about Jesus. So God, I just pray that you'll help prepare and equip us that when those opportunities come, we'll be ready. And it's in the name and spirit of Christ, our Lord, that we pray. Amen.